Morning, church. Don't worry, I'm not going to rap. Amen. We're going to keep you youth inside today. Sorry, I know you thought you were getting out of here, but we're staying today. Yes, unlike my son, I don't want to hear my voice, and neither do you. You're welcome. Sorry for those of you who were sitting in front of me during worship. I love him. He's amazing. God's so good. He's so good. I'm so humbled to be standing in front of you today. Um, I don't know if I have a couple of pictures for you to get started, but we'll see if they come up on the screen. Do we have a picture from that I sent you? Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I was uh, telling you about this a couple weeks ago. I've been waiting for a year for a little... Uh, this is uh, rain. Uh, it's R-E-I-G-N, like the reign of Jesus. And it's also, yeah. There's a reason I'm showing you, not just because I talked about our horse having a, a baby, but, um, you know, we planned this uh, 345 days prior to Monday uh, that she carried this little one. So there's a reason that, you know, God, he's so good, man. And I've told you before that I, God has taught me as much with my horses than in all the seminary training I've had. And I'm serious. It's amazing what God has spoken to me. So please hear me. Signs. So I have owned Spur, uh, which is the mother to little ring. Uh, prior to her birth, I uh, purchased her in utero, uh, awaiting her arrival into the world, planned to be there for her birth, did everything, constantly bugging the people at the Rice Quarterhouse Ranch in Casa Grande. Um, I mean, like, I know they were sick of, they wanted to block my number, I'm sure, because I was <laughs> literally texting them daily and uh, saying, you know, are we there yet? Are we close? Are we? It's like a kid in the back seat, you know, where you just, there's no mute button, but you want one, you know? <laughs> and um, I'm like, I, I emphasize to them, I want to be there when she's born. I want my hands on her when she comes into the world. And so it didn't happen. They uh, text me that, you know, she's fine. She's good. Nothing's happening. And then I got a text at like 5 a.m. She's here. So Kim and I uh, jumped in the car, drove to Casa Grande, and so she was still staggering around like a drunk sailor uh, when we got there, but not that that's a good thing, I'm telling you, because they're trying to get their legs, and so I was able to be with her from that moment on, and so my desire was to, you know, bring this new foal into the world, and so having never done it or experienced it, I watched every video there was, I checked everything that you can check, did everything to know as much as I could about what this meant, how it happened, when it happened. And everything that you read and everything says there's watch for these signs. These are the signs that will tell you. So last Sunday, you know, Sunday night going into Monday was the coldest night we've had in a long time, right? I went out at nine o'clock to check Spur and she only had one sign which she had shown a couple different times. And one, I don't want to get into too much detail. I'm not, you know, I'm, this isn't like biology class or anything like that. But, uh, you know, the muscles in her hips will get really loose. And her tail, she won't be able to control it. Uh, because God is, in his amazing mercy, 
allows all those muscles to just like sag so that the baby can come out. So I watched this vet that does this. This is what she does, and she has a birthing center for horses. And so I was like, I'm going to trust her word over everything else I've read. She was like shaking the muscle on this mare that was going to have her baby that day. And she's like, you see this? This is what happens. See how I can grab her tail and put it to the side, and she can't put it back. All right? That's the sign you're looking for. We average staying the night with a mare one and a half nights per pregnancy period. So they're like right on the money, right? So I go out at 9 o'clock last Sunday night, and I check Spur, and I'm like, you know, she's tight. All of her muscles are tight. I went to touch her tail, and she clamped it down. I'm like, we're not doing nothing tonight. It's tomorrow. I went into Kim and said, they're just going to go to sleep. Forget it. Everything's fine. 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, and my mind was like, you should go check. No, relax. Don't be like a hover mother, you know, helicopter mom. Breathe, just leave her alone. She's fine. It's tomorrow. Got up and went out at 4.30. Walk out the garage and I see where she's standing. I'm like, you sucker. (laughs) You had that baby. And I walked out and she was there trying to stand up and everything was over. Done. Now, why am I telling you that? Because you see, there's so many people that are telling you about all these signs and absolutely this is the way it is and this is what's coming and all you got to do is see this, this, and this and this is going to happen. Look, stop listening to the experts and trust God. All right? We have no control over anything except our own relationship with God. That's the only thing we control, period. Nothing else do we have control over. We can tell you that there's this sign, there's this evidence, there's all this going on. We can say all that we want to. It doesn't matter. It's God's timing. And things can happen like that, as I know. No matter what you think you see, no matter what you think you know, no matter what experts tell you, things can happen suddenly in a moment's time when it's the right time. And we can't pick it. We can't do it. So why we talk about all that? Because, church, there is a time and a season for everything under the sun, God's word tells us. And I want you to know that this is a season of repentance. This is a season of repentance. It is. Did you hear the songs we were singing today? It's about surrender, change. You know, what used to own us no longer owns us. It's about repentance, right? See, it's through repentance that we don't have to own what used to own us. None of this owns me. None of it. None of it. Stop saying, yes, Jesus, here it is, and then leaving like this. When you leave like this, pretty soon you end up like this. All right? Look, church, I'm telling you right now that God has called us to a season of repentance. This is not about you knowing. I don't mean this wrong. I want you to hear me right. It's not about you knowing prophecy. Please, 
Prophecy is important, and God's Word says despise not prophecy. We need to know what God's saying. But what God is saying today is, church, I need you to repent. We need to repent. The church, I'm not talking about the world. The world will never repent until we do. Last week, we looked at God's Word and talked about sin, where it came from, how it works, what it does in our life, and what it's done to our life, and then what God has offered to take us from that brokenness into new life. So we know how it works. See, before we sin, we are tempted. Okay? This doesn't own me, but the enemy's trying to put this on me. He wants me to own sin. Jesus Christ came to set me free from sin. So what the enemy's trying to do is he's saying, hey, you know, it's, it's not that. Remember what he did to Eve? Did really, did God really say that? Did, you know what it really, you know what it really means? It means you're going to have wisdom and be like God. It's not really the full meaning, you know, and then she started to contemplate that. Then she said, you know, that makes sense. Whenever we think we make sense that's contrary to God, we are in trouble. Then she goes over and says, yeah, you know, I already made up my mind. This looks good. It probably tastes good, and I want it. And she took it. See, what happens is we're tempted to sin, and then we begin to dialogue about sin up here, then we already act on sin right here. Then we physically act on sin. See, that's where temptation turns into sin. Temptation isn't sin. Please hear me. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is trying to get us to commit sin. There's a big difference. See, the enemy is always waving this in front of us and saying, yeah, you really need this. This is who you really are. This is what owns you. Church, I want you to know there's too many Christians that are still owning this and finding their identity in this instead of in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. See, sin, we all know this because we've been in sin. We've sinned and we've broken ourselves. Sin brings shame and guilt and brokenness. And God's response was to make clothes from animal skin. So a lot of us are a little bit hypersensitive. I don't mean that, uh, that's probably the wrong wording. I apologize. Some of us are sensitive about the death of animals and I'm not like insensitive. It'd break my heart if that little filly died. But see, God himself killed the first animal. And he did it to make clothing for Adam and Eve because they tried to do it out of these leaves. And God was saying, look, I told you that Sin brings death, therefore the loss of life, therefore blood. And so God himself killed that animal and put those skins out of Adam and Eve to cover their brokenness. We've been wearing clothes ever since. Okay, now look, it's in Genesis 3.21 in case you're wondering about that. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. See, God himself made a covering for sin. God did it. Even though Adam and Eve tried to cover it, they couldn't cover it, so God covered it. 
The problem was and is that it couldn't just be covered. It needed to be removed. When God established the sacrificial system, God said, you need to understand, my people need to all understand that it costs something. Your sin costs something. It costs a life. And so in the sacrificial system that God established, there were multiple sacrifices that cost life on a regular basis because the people continued to sin on a regular basis. They could not defeat sin in their flesh. They couldn't. And so God established the sacrificial system so that people would understand there is a great cost to sin. And so as they brought their weekly, daily sacrifices and all the priests, they were killing animals, pouring the blood, burning them on an altar, doing all kinds of stuff that God said they had to do because the people continued to sin. And God said, I will provide the final sacrifice. And Jesus Christ became the sacrifice for our sin, the one and only final sacrifice that God demanded was the sinless life of a man, which was Jesus Christ, who is and was God, who became flesh to live in this world, sinless, tempted like every way, being called to pick up that stuff in his flesh by the power of the Spirit. He did not pick it up, not because of his godness, but when you read in the baptism, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he defeated sin in the flesh through the power of the Spirit so that you and I might have the opportunity that God says you can be free. No longer needing to bring multiple sacrifices. 1 Peter chapter 2 says this, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross. Jesus did it. He took all of that. Do you remember when He was praying in the garden and He was in agony? Not my will, but is there any other way? I don't want to pick that mess up and carry it. I don't want it in me. But He took it. My sins and yours. God's Word says this. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that don't miss this part so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right is that on the screen somewhere I want you to read that part so that we can be dead read out loud to sin and live for what is right Dead to sin, living the right way. (laughs) Yeah. But. What? Why are we saying but? That's God's word. God's word. Peter is telling us, I was there with him. I know him. I lived in that sin. I met him before, during, and after. He changed my life. This is the Apostle Peter, the same one that denied him to a slave girl. And later, after the Holy Spirit came upon him, began to speak boldly before those who absolutely ordered the death of Jesus Christ. And he told them flat out, you did it. 
You killed him. He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Peter, the same guy who would give his own life on a cross in persecution because of his faith in Jesus Christ. It's that guy that says, we are dead to sin. And now we live differently. We live a new life. That word goes on and says, by his wounds you are healed. Do you know what we're healed from? The shame, the guilt, the brokenness that sin brought into our lives. Jesus Christ not only forgives us and removes our sins from us, but he heals us. Once you were sheep who wandered away, but now you've turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. (laughs) Yes. See, I'm not doing it myself. We have a Savior. We have the Holy Spirit. He's the guardian of my soul. I am no longer doing this on my own. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it in my own strength. See, simply covering sin wasn't going to work. It never was good enough. Sin had to be removed. And it only can be removed by God. Nothing we can do, nothing we can offer, nothing we can accomplish could ever remove sin from us. Only through Jesus Christ and nothing else. Not all religions lead to heaven. There's only one way, and it's Jesus Christ, period. You can think anything you want. You can talk about it. I don't care. God's word is very clear to us. He is the one and only sacrifice. God alone. Once we say yes to God's way, accepting Jesus as our Savior, we must engage with this new life and disengage from this prior life. Romans 13. Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Isn't that awesome? So we already know God's love, so without God present, which is love, which is in us, we can't love our neighbor. We can't not murder, commit adultery, commit all those things in the commandments. We can't. With the absence of God, we will break those laws. We can't love people. People are hard to love. The only way we can love people is to have God within our heart and then we can love people. We need to stop and realize something. The law could not save us. The word of God tells us over and over how the sacrifices couldn't change us, remove our sin from us, only Jesus could. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says this, under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day. You hear that? Offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. <laughs> That's the old covenant. See, it's like it was a repetitious religious happening that was going over and over and over, but it didn't change anybody. Verse 12. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins good for all time. (laughs) Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. 
There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Wow. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Did you hear what he just said? He made us holy and we are being made holy. That is God right there. So he's letting us know that we, when we receive Christ, are made holy, but at the same time now, we're also being made holy. God's doing a work in us. He's changing us. So cool. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant. I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them in their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. God's done it. Can we own that? God has done it. The final sacrifice is Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus Christ we're free from sin and at the same time fulfill God's law. A life for a life. That's God's law. It's the only way we can fulfill it. We can only love like that because God himself is within us and he now lives in us by the Holy Spirit's presence. And therefore now I live in this new life the way we're supposed to. So prior to Jesus... They were trying to live the law, the love of God, in their own flesh and couldn't do it. Prior to that, I, I want you to know that a lot of people are still in the Christian faith trying to verbalize this and, and live it without knowing God. Owning God. We know Him, but we don't know Him. The only way we can change and live the fulfillment of the law is to have the love of God within and this will fulfill his law. It's the only way. Let's go back to Romans 13 and begin here. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. Put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness, sexual promiscuity and immoral living, or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, Hold yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Yeah, that's God's word. So two times in there, we're told that we need to put something on, aren't we? He's telling us right here, we've got to put something on because we've took something off. We need a covering. The only covering we can ever have that works is Jesus Christ. And he tells us in here to get, get rid of that tangible, old, dirty stuff that used to own you. Dirty clothes. Placing shining armor. <laughs> I mentioned this before, but every single night, see, I, uh, in the evening of the day before, I go in my closet, get everything out I'm going to wear, and I put it and hang it in the bathroom so that in the morning, when I wake up unconscious, I know I won't make good decisions. If I'm 
waking up and just going in there and grabbing something because I haven't had coffee yet and I don't even know what I'm doing, right? So I need to make those decisions while I'm conscious, awake, aware, and perceiving what is coming. So like what I pick is determined by what awaits me. I have an idea of what tomorrow will bring. Therefore, I pick that stuff accordingly. So what do I do? I look at the weather. Okay, it's supposed to be like this at 4.30 a.m. So I already know I need to dress in layers because at 4.30, it's going to be like 30 degrees a.m. That's in the morning for some of y'all that don't understand that. (laughs) There's two of those in a day. So I... (laughs) I need warm clothes, but I also know that by 11 o'clock, it's going to be 75. So it's like, hey, you know, you should probably wear this first for the 75, then put that on for the 35, and then put this on because now you're a desert rat and you can't handle the cold. All right? So all that stuff's hanging in my bathroom. So I don't even have to think or function. I just go on and turn on the water. And I get dressed, and I'm ready for what I right then would have no clue to do. See what God's Word is telling us? Like, God's letting us know there's junk out there. The tempter's trying to call you. You need to put on the right stuff and prepare yourself. Wake up! That's what God's Word says. Wake up! Put on this stuff so that you're prepared because that's coming. It's going to happen. Way more predictable than the weather here. It's coming. I used to think it's the easiest job in the old United States, man. It's going to be sunny and warm tomorrow. I could be a weather person here. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Sun's going to shine. It's going to be hot. Get ready. All right. Look, man, we got to stop wearing our dirty clothes. Stop wearing your dirty clothes. If something gets you dirty today, get it off. (laughs) Okay. This is God's word. He's telling us something. Put on Jesus. Don't even think about indulging in that stuff. See, once we think about it, do you remember how Eve fell? Do you remember how King David fell? We were reading last week. It's we begin to think about it. We begin to process it. When you're trying to figure a way to do something around what God says, you're done. You're done. You can talk to people who think like you do. Go ahead, because then they're going to make sense, because that's what you want to hear. You can do that. Find somebody that does what you want to do and goes to church. That's what we do. We begin to navigate towards them so that I can justify what I'm doing in my life. I want to hear their story so that it can become my story because I want to live like that. Do you know who's calling us to live his story? It's Jesus. All right. Don't wait to put Jesus on. You're not going to do it then. You're not going to do it then. You've got to put him on now. You've got to put him on every day. It's not that you have to be saved and forgiven every day. You need to put Jesus on every day. It's a decision I make. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm not going to let my life be entangled in my past. I'm not going to get entangled in something new. I'm not going to let that happen. So here's a real tangible thing. See, 
you all know when a pastor falls, we just had, you know, one of them do that. If you don't set up parameters and guidelines, and if you're not following what Jesus says, and you're not doing the right things, you're going to fall. I don't care who you are. You're not spiritually strong enough to live this. Every one of us have to surrender. See, there's a reason I don't meet with any women one-on-one. I don't do that. Never have, never will. No, there's another woman present, and she is my wife or my daughter-in-law or somebody else. And I only meet with a woman one time like that, and then they need to go talk to a woman, right? I mean, I'm being serious. Ladies, it's the same way. People, stop talking to some opposite-sex person about your issues. You need Jesus. That's where we fall. It's, it, oh, it's so frustrating to me how willingly we go over there and we engage in this. Yeah, I mean, I just, they're just easy to talk to. They listen. They smile. They compliment me. I feel better about myself. Really? Seriously? I find my identity and my feelings of who I am in Christ and Christ alone. Everyone out there will turn their back on you at some point. If you do not find your identity in Christ, you will never find your identity. And people are searching for their identity because it was lost in sin. Because we were made in the image and likeness of God. And you cannot find your identity until you find God. And once you find God, you become a child of God. Now you not only have identity, you have self-worth, value. And I become someone because I matter to the creator of the universe. Jesus. That's the best counseling you'll ever get. And it was free. I'm serious. I'm not against counselors. I'm just telling you, that's where it's at, man. Too many Christians I hear say this. This is how I am, though. God and I have this understanding. He knows me. Yeah, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, we start making excuses. God knows this is how I am. Yeah, that's why he died, because he knows how you are, and he's like, that's not the way you're supposed to be. He came to change us. Stop talking about who you are and start owning who he is in you. We like to make excuses for our sin. See, this is one of my little, um, one of, I have a lot of them, and I have issues, you know. I'm talking about up here. Uh, not about a sin issues. I'm talking about just like, I'm like most of you, you know, it's like there's so much going on up in my head and I'm like, well, Lord, I need your help right now and here it is. This is the thing that bugs me more than anything when I hear Christians make this statement. You probably already know this because I've mentioned it before. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I don't like that statement. This is what we were. We were sinners saved by grace. I get that, but listen, we put way too much emphasis on the part of I'm just a sinner and not enough emphasis is saved by grace. Because usually when we're saying that, we're thinking and knowing about our wrong behavior. And so we're making excuses by saying, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. So God already knows that I'm broken and screwed up. Yes, he did. Yes, he does. But the reason Jesus came is to be the one and final sacrifice to break those chains and live a new life. 
The Bible says, take off and put on. Don't participate in. Don't engage. This is God's word, right? Clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think you can have both? Do you think this can be on me and then I can put Jesus on it? You know, like church, this is what I'm saying. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. So let's put Jesus over this mess. See, that's what the sacrificial system did. We put sacrifices over the mess, but the mess never changed. Jesus came to remove this, put on the righteousness of God to change our lives. Please, church, we need to understand that. We have to put on Christ, take off the old life. How do we take it off? Through repentance. We can't take it off. We repent and God removes that from us. God does. It's an act of God, a work of God. You can't do both. You can't have both. Remember, nobody could fulfill the law prior to Jesus. And God's word tells us the only way to fulfill the law is through love, which is God, which now we possess through the indwelling Holy Spirit. So daily I put on Christ and know that it is this life that we're living. I have two more scriptures. We're going to go through this quickly. Here here are these words. You've heard them. Romans 12 and Hebrews 12, we often refer to. And I have them one after another so that we can see what they say to us. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Do you see what we're hearing right here? He's saying like that sacrifice, you need to give yourself back to God for what he did for us. He gave himself for us. Now give yourself back to him. Right? Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Not a church, not people that are like-minded, that God will find acceptable. He's the one that matters. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen. Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin. (laughs) Strip it off, man. That so easily trips us up and let us run with the endurance the race God has set before us. So listen, if you say yes to Jesus, God has a place for you to go, to be, to serve, to live. God's way. There's only one way. It's His way. Let us run with the endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on everyone else. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. That is so good, isn't it? Strip off the old, offer ourselves, be transformed, change the way we think, get a new mind, be a new person, keep your eyes on Jesus. This is God's word. Do you hear that? He's saying that's not who you are anymore. You've changed. 
You are changing. God's doing a work. God's got to work. God's the one that's doing it in your life. Keep your eyes focused there because God is removing you from what you used to be into who He intended you to be. God Himself is giving you His identity. Live with that faith. Own that faith. Stop owning the sin and start owning the grace. Live in the grace. Begin to emphasize saved by grace, not just a sinner. Start emphasizing the saved by grace part, okay? And then live it so that people see Jesus in us. He says, put that armor on, that bright, shining armor. What's in your life that's giving the wrong image of Jesus? See, normally I ask you in my accountability questions, you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Right now he's saying this. That's not like Jesus. So whatever that is inside of you, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit. And God's saying you need to put that in the pile and step away. That's what he's saying. What in your life is not reflecting Jesus? What is it? (laughs) What needs to change in my life to reflect Jesus to the world? What is it? God, what is it? What do I need to do differently to prepare myself to reflect Christ each tomorrow? Okay, so let's just say you screwed up yesterday. Just say. (laughs) You screwed up. You didn't reflect Jesus. Are you going to reflect Jesus today? Or are you going to live in that? See, we can't live in what we screwed up yesterday. We've got to live in the grace of God for today and reflect Jesus here and now. We ask for forgiveness. That's repentance. We repent to anyone else that we didn't reflect Jesus to if we can. I'm saying if they're tangibly present. And then we step into the grace that God has for us to live in the newness of life. And I know those things that took me in the wrong direction. So here's the next action step. These are my action steps I've been given to you. Where do I need to stop going that leads me down the wrong path and into the wrong things? <laughs> Where do I need to stop going because it leads me down the wrong path to make the wrong decisions? See, sometimes it's as simple as that. If I already know that if I'm around this certain environment or these people, that this is what ends up happening. Hello? You can choose to not go there. You can, change, you can change that. And the Holy Spirit is telling you, stop going there. And you're like, yeah, but God, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm trying to reach them. Do you really think that God needs your help to reach them when it's screwing you up? And how are you reaching them if it's screwing you up? All you're doing is modeling hypocrisy, which the world already sees Christianity as. So if you go near here to reach people, and what you're doing is falling, you're not shining Jesus, and you're screwing everything up, including the gospel. Knock it off. Obviously, Jesus doesn't need you there. He's trying to get you away so that he can do something with their life. (laughs) Who do I need to stop hanging with? When you begin to hang with Jesus, a lot of your friends will stop hanging with you. They will. It's okay. Who do I need to start hanging with? Lord, who is it that you're calling me into? So, 
I will quickly mention this. I can't stand the word click. Please don't use it. There are people with relationships that are closer than other people's. Jesus modeled this. All you have to do is look at Jesus' life. There were the multitudes. There were those that followed. There were the 12. There were the three. If you don't like it, talk to them about it. It's the way it works. It's called relationships. And if you want to be in this circle, talk to Jesus about making one around you. And why don't you try being Jesus to 12 and 3. Then you'll have your own click. God bless you. (laughs) Who do I need to stop hanging with? Jesus didn't make any excuses. Do you read in the Gospels where when he called the 12 and said, let's go pray, he goes, hey, you guys stay there. I'm bringing these three over here. I'm really sorry. I don't want to offend you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I hope you feel comfortable. I do love you, but I need to take these guys over. Stop it. Come on. But I'm not part of the three. That's why. (laughs) All right. Stop owning I'm just a sinner statement and begin to own the saved by grace statement, okay? If your emphasis is on I'm just a sinner, you probably are. You need to repent. It's open. This altar's open. So if you got one of these, I don't care if it's one link, bring it. God's called us to live a free life. We were singing about this today. So amazing, God's word, as we sing in songs, we read the scriptures, God's saying, you want to lay it down? I'm here to take it. You want to walk out with it? You're free to do that. You are free to, God's so amazing. Then he just says, okay, I'm offering you something, but if you'd rather drag that with you, go on, keep dragging. But I'm here to call you into new life, to freedom, to be able to walk out light and free in the power of the Spirit of God, truly released from all things. That's how He works. He's available. Thank you, Jesus, for everyone that is here today. Thank you, Lord. Your Word, God, is what matters. Not us, not anything we say or do. It's only Your Word. God, it is Your power. It is Your sacrifice. It is Your Spirit. You are it. And we call upon You now, Lord, as we have been singing this morning, I surrender. We surrender. We surrender, Lord. We surrender. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for for your grace. For our salvation is nearer now than it was when we started the service. Lord, we're closer to meeting you than we've ever been before. Only you can make us right. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You ready to leave it right here? You ready to leave it, everybody? Hey, y'all at the altar, you ready to leave it right here? Just like, here it is, God. I accept what you have done for me. I'm free. Just walk out owning saved by grace. Walk out owning You are made new. Walk out owning that righteousness of Christ. Amen. He loves you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.
Church, you're dismissed. If you need to go, you go. If you need to stay and pray, you stay and pray. You get what God has for you. Good to see you, buddy. God bless you, man. Thank you. (laughs) God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus.